0: Turn in your Bibles now to the fifth chapter of the Gospel of John. The fifth chapter of the Gospel of John. I like to see you smile when you come to church. Billy Sunday said, smile in her tears. Neither Neither one was religion. He said, there's more religion in your will than there is in your handkerchief. I like to read in the Bible where he said, for the joy of the Lord is your strength, not your gloominess. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I don't think the Lord ever intended for us to come to church with a tombstone under one arm and a coffin under the other, looking like the advance agent for an undertaker. And looking like if we were going to take a joyride, we'd call a hearse to take it in. There are a lot of Christians, like the old lady, that said, I always feel bad when I feel good, because I know I'm going to feel worse. So that's the way they do it, usually. In the fifth chapter of the, of the book of, of the Gospel of John, after this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of important folk, halt, withered waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years, When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The important man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And the same day was the Sabbath. Jesus went up to Jerusalem, but the Bible says when he went up to Jerusalem, he did not go up to the first church, he didn't go to the synagogue, he didn't go up to the temple, but he went down by the sheep market. How like Jesus that was, because down by the sheep market, or down by the pool in the Hebrew tongue called Bethesda, there was a multitude of sick, afflicted, blind, and crippled people waiting for the moving of the waters, there are th- people sort of like we might have on the slums, in the slums or on the streets of forgotten people. And Jesus went down among them and I said, that's like him to always be found where he, was, where he was needed. Where he was needed. Sometimes I'm afraid that the church has lost the vision. They've lost the picture of that crowd. You remember when Jesus took Peter, James, and John and went upon the Mount of Transfiguration and there was transfigured before them. Somehow Peter spoke up and said, this is a good place to be. Let us build three tabernacles and remain here. Mr. Cadle used to say that he never tried to finance one or he wouldn't have wanted three. But anyway, he said, let's build three tabernacles and remain here. And Jesus said, no. Why? Because down at the foot of the hill there is a boy possessed with an evil spirit and we need to go down to him. It's wonderful to have the mountain top experiences, but we ought to be able to bring that, to transfer that experience down to the valley, down where the people are needed. As Jesus said once, come ye after me and I will make you to become fishers of men. You do not catch fish until you go where the fish are. And I think that's the reason you're having two, 3,000 in Sunday school here and bidding for 4,000 because you have a delegation of people who go out day after day and week after week, knocking on the doors and going out where the people are. Sometimes I think some of our big churches, they're simply like they were on the Mount of Transfiguration. They said, here is a good place to be and let's remain. Some of our great churches, we've gotten in mahogany pews behind stained glass windows with brilliant preachers and well-trained choirs. And we said, now here we are, come and find us. But they haven't found you. They haven't found you. Nowhere did God command the unsaved man to come to church. But he said for the church to go out after him. Jesus walked up into the crowd, and I want you to notice this motley multitude. They weren't all sick alike, but they were all alike sick They weren't all, they weren't all sick alike, but they were all in need of a physician. They were all in need of a savior. Some were blind, some were withered, some were hot, and some were paralyzed. But each of them, I think sometimes that that, that's a complete picture of the condition of the unsaved world that's round about us. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I want you to notice this tonight. I think the blind man said to the man that was lame, you need a physician. And I think the lame man said to the blind man, you need a healer. The blind man said to the paralytic, I think you need a healer. But somehow he answered back and said, All we like sheep have gone astray. The drunkard says tonight to the gambler, You need a physician. The gambler says to the impure person, You need a physician. The moral man says to the immoral, You need a physician. But I am saying tonight, According to the word of God, That all men tonight are dead in trespasses and sins. And when you preach a gospel like that, That's where the cross, That's where the gospel and the cross Becomes an offense. Why, you say Brother Lincoln, how does it become an offense? This is the way it becomes an offense. You tell that woman tonight that sparkles and scintillates with diamonds and rustles and silks and satin, moral and upright, clean and deportment, that she needs a Savior, that she needs to be born again, the same as the harlot tonight in the slums, and that's where it becomes an offense. Tell that cultured, refined, respectable gentleman tonight, tell that man, professional or businessman tonight, that he needs a Savior and needs to be born again the same as the drunken bum on the streets of forgotten men tonight. Tell him that he needs a Savior, and that's where the gospel becomes an offense. I'm saying to you tonight, my friend, that men and women everywhere, regardless of the degree of your sin, you have to be born again. so up into this motley crowd came Jesus, up into this motley crowd came Jesus, and there was one man that, there was one man that had been lying there for twenty eight for thirty- eight years, an afflicted cripple with his dreamy eyes fixed upon water he could never reach. His dreamy eyes fixed upon water he can never reach. 38 years an afflicted cripple. You read in the Old Testament about a certain king that lifted up another king's head out of prison after 37 years of imprisonment. You say, Dr. Lakin, what has that to do? To me, that means tonight that he's able to save the vilest of the vile, that he's able to save the lowest of the low, the most helpless and hopeless of the helpless and the hopeless, Jesus Christ is able to save. Man said, but Dr. Lincoln, you do not know my habits. You do not know my sin. No, but I know my Savior, and I know he has the power to break the shackles of sin. Tonight, he breaks the power of canceled sin and sets the prisoner free. Up into that motley multitude came Jesus. I've often wished I could reproduce the tender tone and that sweet expression upon his face when the dreamy eyes of that afflicted man caught his. I think the man said, there's someone that cares for me. There's someone that cares. There was something about him that told the man that he cared for him. And he said, there's someone that cares. And in a moment, Jesus said, wilt thou be made whole? Wilt thou me made whole. And the man immediately said, will I? Man, that's why I'm here. But when I would step down, there's always someone that steps down before me. And there is no one to put me into the pool. The angel only comes down once every year and troubles the water. And the first one that gets in is healed. And there is no one to put me into the pool. Therefore, I'm hopelessly condemned to spend the rest of my life like it is. Listen, my friends. Three things that this man confessed that's necessary if a man's going to get saved. you know what they are? First of all, he confessed his desire to be helped. He said, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. I'm here to be helped. You know, sometime or other, you know the reason people do not get help when they come to church. They didn't come with a purpose. They didn't come with a purpose. He said, I came with a purpose. I came to be healed. That's what I came for. Sometime I'd like to have a service for certain people. He said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Sometimes I'd like to have someone stand at the door and every man and woman that would come, I'd like for someone to say, are are you hungry? Are you thirsty? If not, this is not for you. This is only for the hungry and the thirsty people. If I could get people to come with a purpose, you'll not get a blessing tonight because you didn't come with a purpose. You didn't come to get blessed. That's the reason you not get blessed. Did you know tonight when you left home, did you say, Lord, I'm going to have a blessing tonight out of the meeting? Or did you come just nonchalantly out of habit because you've been coming every Sunday night for years and you said, I must go again. And so you didn't come with any expectancy. You didn't come with any expect Say, Do you know why men come to the service and not get saved? I'll tell you why. They didn't come to get saved. They didn't come to get saved. You just came along tonight. Did you come determined in your heart that you're going to get saved tonight? He said, that's why I'm here. Did you come in tonight saying, I'm going to get saved. When I, the night I got saved in the little church, in the little country church yonder at the forks of the creek, At the Forks of the Creek, the little country church, the night I got saved, I went to church that night as determined to get saved as I ever went to do anything in my life. I said to my mother when I left home that night, I said, Mother, I'm going to get saved tonight and make you a Methodist bishop. You see, I was reared in the Methodist church. They're good people. They're a little dry on some things, but I'll tell you what, I'd be willing to meet them halfway. All of them that'll come, I'll meet them halfway in the river. If they'll come under, I'll come over, and we won't have any time. Let me show you some, Mr. Spurgeon, they said Charles Spurgeon was saved and his mother was the old church of England. And he went home that night and said, Mother I got saved and joined the Baptist church. And she said, Charles I always wanted you to be a Christian but I never wanted you to be a Baptist. And he said, well Mother, God answered your prayers in his usual way and gave you more than you asked him for. That's what he did. But I said that night, and that night I sat there determined that I'd get saved, and the preacher preached on, when I see the blood I will pass over you. And the moment he gave that invitation without anybody saying anything, I got up out of the little seat and walked down and knelt at a little old fashioned homemade country bench. And there I poured out my heart and said, Lord, be merciful to me a sinner. It's the only time I went forward in my life. There wasn't any great demonstration that night, but as quiet as the sun would come up over the hills in the morning, the Son of Righteousness arose with healing in his wings, and I walked out of that little building to sing Hallelujah, tis done, I believe on the Son. I'm saved by the blood of the Crucified One. And tonight, my friends, that blessing still holds, and when I come to preach I come always to preach with a purpose I never say Lord help me I say Lord don't help me to go to preach as another job to get done you know why you didn't get your prayers answered because you didn't expect it I was preaching in Charleston, West Virginia a few years ago in the Grace Baptist Temple in St. Albans. We were having a morning meeting like we're going to start here in the morning. And a woman stood up and said, Dr. Lakin, I want you to pray for my husband. I want you to pray for my husband. I want him saved. He had not He had not been to the service. He seldom attended service. And that day we prayed. She said, I want him saved. And I want him saved today. And so we prayed that night about time for the church to start. The preacher came on the platform and said, I was just called a while ago to so-and-so's home. And he got saved. And he's going to come tonight and join the church for baptism. And he came and confessed that night and joined the church. And the next morning she was back. That morning after she had made the request, she went out on the parking lot. And she said, this is the day it's going to be. This is the day. And the next morning she came into the building and she was shouting. And she said, Brother Lincoln, I told you last night was going to be the time. I told you yesterday would be the day. Listen, my friend, if you'll come with a purpose, if you believe God with a purpose, God will answer and you'll see something happen. The second thing he confessed was this. He confessed his inability to save himself. He said, there is no man to put me into the pool. I can't get in myself. What you'll have to realize before you're ever saved, you'll have to come to the end of yourself and say nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Take this rebel stuff all out of me. Tonight I throw up the white flag. There is no good in me. You'll have to come like the prodigal son and say I have sinned. I've sinned. I don't deserve anything. Just make me a hard serving. I sometimes think of the old prodigal son sitting down yonder among the hogs. He'd climb the trees, he's sitting down there with the hair out of his hat and the elbows out of his coat, and the bottom of his breeches and the tops of his shoes had gotten so far apart, looked like they'd broken off diplomatic relations and weren't on speaking terms anymore, and down inside there was wars and rumors of wars, and no man gave to him, and he said, I'm going to go home, that's what I'm going to do, and he climbed over the fence and started back up the road, and his father met him, and his father met him, and he said, I've and that he started his speech and he said go and get the best robe and put it on him. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's make merry for this my son was dead and is alive. Was lost and is found. Beloved listen to me now you said not to I'd like to be a Christian but I'm not fit thank God for that. Why? Because all the fitness he requireth is to feel your need of him. I will arise and go to Jesus. He will embrace me in his arms, in the arms of my dear Savior. Oh, there are 10,000 charms. Listen, my friend, tonight you said I cannot get in myself. I cannot save myself. And the third thing he confessed was this, that he was looking to the wrong source for help. He said, there is no man to put me into the pool. There is no man to put me into the pool. Listen, my friend, I can't get in myself. But then he said, there is no man to put me into the pool. They that are born again are born not of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, nor of blood, but of God. Salvation isn't something that I do for God. It's something God does for me. It's not something that I help God do. is something God does independently. By grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself. It is the gift of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so my friends tonight, when he said there is no man to put me into the pool, listen to me. I believe in good preachers. I believe in good churches. Let me tell you this tonight. There is as much saving power in these ten fingers of mine as any pair of hands on God's earth tonight. But I can lay them upon your head and confirm you until the judgment day but i can't make a christian out of you i can take these hands and bury you in that pool tonight but i can't make a christian out of you i can take these fingers and write your name upon a church record but i can't make a christian out of you i can give you the the wine i can give you the wine and the bread but i can't make a christian out of you there's nothing that a man can do thank god it's all been done in jesus christ I love to think of him when yonder upon the cross, when he said, Jesus Christ yonder upon the cross, when he cried, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then cried, I thirst. I thirst. And then on top of that, he said, into thy hands I commend my spirit. But before he said that, he said, it is finished. It is finished. I would God tonight that you could see it's the finished work of Christ that saves you. The blood drops down from the crown of thorns tonight upon his breast and down in the sand below and said it's, and the blood said it's finished. And the sand whispers to the grass and said it's finished. And the grass whispers to the flowers and said it's finished. And the flowers whispered to the trees and said, it's finished. And the trees whispered to the birds and the branches and said, it's finished. And the birds winged their way back to the clouds and said, to the clouds, it's finished. To the clouds echoed the voice down the corridors of heaven that said, it's finished. Hey. It's finished. It's finished. I cannot add to. I cannot take from. And so tonight is a poor, trembling, hell-deserving sinner tonight. I said, Lord Jesus, I accept the finished work of Calvary for my sins. It's finished. And then Jesus said, rise. How can I? I've been lying here for 38 years. How can I rise? That's the call of faith. It would have been easy for Jesus to have healed him and then told him to have gotten up. That wouldn't have been faith. But he said, you make the effort and I'll do the rest. I'll do the rest. He said, arise. You make the effort and I'll give the life-giving flow. Yonder tonight, you say, but Brother brother Lakin, tonight yonder stands a trolley up on the track Tonight. And the trolley pulls, and the and the and the trolley stands there, dead silent. Until the trolley pole goes up and touches the wire. And down through the wire comes the power that surges through the mechanism that rolls it down the road. You say, Brother Lakin, I'm a withered paralytic. My arm is feeble. I have a withered arm of faith that I cannot reach. You have another hand, too. Put that hand of will underneath your faith and say, I can. I will. I do believe that Jesus saves me now. That's the thing. Do you want to be different tonight? You say, Brother Lakin, I'd like to be saved tonight. I'd like to be a Christian tonight. Then if you would like to be a Christian, then say, by faith, I accept the finished work of Jesus Christ arise tonight and make that effort. And God said, I'll take care of the rest of it. I want you to notice the other thing. And the man arose and after he had arisen, he said, take up your bed, take up your bed. Why? Because I want you to know you're fixed up for keeps. I don't expect you to take a few feeble steps and go back and lie down on your old cot again. I want you to take it up and roll it up and carry it out and cross the bridge and burn the bridge behind you and put your soul on the home stretch for God. That's what I mean tonight. Do you know, beloved, the reason we have so many failures as Christians? They start out well, but you know what they do? They leave their old cot sitting around where it's handy to go back and lie down on it and they take a few feeble steps steps and go back and lie down on the old cot. When you get saved, remove the cot. When you get saved, stay away from the crowd. Stay away from the gang. When you get saved, stay away from that group tonight. That's what he said. Take up your bed and walk. That's the cost of your cure exercise those limbs now and don't get paralysis and have to go back to, and go back to the pool again and lie down. My friend, when you get saved, then he said again to walk and witness and exercise and he put forth his hand and he made the effort and God marveled and Jesus marvelously cleansed him and healed him and he picked up his bed, I think, and put it upon his back to carry it away. Now there's two things I want you to notice. First of all, he was made whole. First of all, The man was made whole. He wasn't just slightly improved. He wasn't, he wasn't just started on the road to recovery. He wasn't given a good moral code of moral ethics and said, live out this. He wasn't given the Ten Commandments and said, keep this and do the best you can. But from the top of his head to the sole of his foot, he was made a new creature in Christ Jesus. He was made whole. I like that, don't you? Let me tell you something tonight, my friend. Let me tell you this tonight. When you get saved, it's not an old something that's worked over. It's a new man created. in Christ Jesus. It's something that's made absolutely new. Before you got saved, you were just one person. After you got saved, you're two persons. You're two persons after you got saved. And that's the reason tonight. When you get saved, you become a new creature and a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now look at it. He was made whole from the top of his head to the sole of his foot. He was made a new creature in Christ Jesus. And the second thing I want you to notice about it was this. That he was made whole immediately salvation is not a process thank God it's a miracle salvation is a miracle if salvation was a process it would take a lifetime to perfect it but it's not a process it's a miracle he was made whole and he was made whole immediately you say dr. Lakin do you believe in instant salvation that's the only kind I find in the Bible it's the only kind I find in the Bible I've had people come into my meetings drunk and go out sober I've had them come in crooked and go out straight. I've had them come in impure and go out pure. And that's what He can do for you tonight. He can wash you and make you and give you new ambitions and new desires and a new outlook on life.